0: Welcome to Folklore on the
1: Rocks.
0: (laughs) Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And we are drinking and enjoying a lovely, uh, what is it, September morning. There we go. Mm -hmm. Fall is finally upon us here, and we're getting the cold air. And it's a fine time to talk about something spooky like a monster.
1: Yes. Yes. Sleep. Best time of year.
0: Very favorite.
1: Not just to talk about monsters, but just the best time of year.
0: Oh, yeah. It's not just pumpkin spice lattes, but it's a nice time of change. And you get the reminders of, oh, I should have done this all summer. But you still get just enough time in the daylight. So right now, practicing the jumping stilts before the <laughs> snow hits.
1: <laughs> Please don't kill yourself.
0: Oh, I won't. It's, a, it's definitely a time of year for helmet activities. <laughs> yes. So Lindsay, what are you drinking?
1: I am drinking a new thing that I found at a friend's wedding. Um, cool. She had these like seltzer water things that are alcoholic.
0: Oh, neat. but
1: they're really yummy. Um, they have cool flavors. The one that I'm drinking is the pomegranate ginger.
0: Okay, and they come in a bottle or they come in a, like can, a can, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I could like get a pack of them and take one to a place. And...
1: Yeah, yep, got them at the grocery store.
0: Very cool. Which
1: is. Surprising for Utah because we basically have nothing available in the grocery
0: store. Yeah. You people who have quality alcohol in your grocery stores, you yeah. don't ever take it for granted.
1: Everything is 4% um, or less here.
0: Uh, 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 I think uh, these yeah. are 4%. So I
1: assume that's the case, but I brought multiple. So everything should be fine.
0: Yeah, you should Probably. be fine. I I'm, <laughs> And I, on the other hand, I'm a fan of just mixing my own drinks. I don't go by what they can sell in the store i just buy ingredients and mix them at home um kind of mad scientist style although today today it is not mad scientist style it is it is vampire style (laughs) i'm i'm drinking a a really nice bloody mary kind of not too extravagant i actually uh discovered i hate to admit it but i discovered this recipe at a red lobster (laughs) yes uh
1: I mean, okay. No, nothing
0: against Red Lobster. Those Cheddar Bay biscuits get me get me every time. Oh, yes, but it is I I it, it is there that I discovered Absolute Pepar, which is their jalapeno flavored vodka.
1: Ooh!
0: Now I know that's going to be just so millennial hipster of me to say I like a flavored vodka. I, I'll embrace it. In fact, I saw a sign the other day in kind of a retro cool shop that said, "Sweetheart, I'm so old. I remember when vodka only came in vodka flavor." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is their, their vodka infused with jalapeno oil. And it is my very favorite for mixing Bloody Marys. And then instead like of... make them spicy? I do. And so I, uh, instead of going with Mr. and Mrs. T's, which is my usual Bloody Mary mix, I went with Spicy V8 and some spices from the kitchen. And I've got a little, uh, pickled green bean in there and... It's a it's a delight. Now, Bloody Mary, that's my usual favorite drink of all time. I don't consider it just a morning drink, but I figured it was especially topical today because I got to be a vampire last night, and that was Ooh. pretty cool. Yeah, we've entered uh, haunted house season here in Utah, and I'm not sure if they do that uh, in a lot of other places around the world.
1: I'm guessing most... At least in the u s they probably do
0: yeah i've uh, I've been called in to work with um one they installed in in Hong Kong Disney. It was kind of a cool thing. um but for me, it's a very utah thing it It, it is theater in a, in its own unique form mm-hmm. and I used to do a whole lot of it and kind of stepped away into kind of consulting and then became a grown up and you know did other things anyway, this year, I was invited back to come and and uh, act in one of the haunted houses, and I thought well, why not? So I, I spent most of my evening being a vampire and that was a, a, a good kind of throwback. And that's also why I sound like this today, ladies and gentlemen. I realize this is our first story we're going to tell, but uh, I normally am a little bit more chipper and uh, and maybe cartoony. Uh, today, I'm a little bit more sultry and grainy. You know, I'm going to tell you a dark and twisted tale.
1: It's that vampire it just seeps into you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, it's a good time. Well, and that kind of leads me to uh, what we're going to talk about today. We're doing a we're doing a creature feature today, right? Uh, on the Groot slang. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the Groot slang. Uh, now, if if you haven't heard of it, that's okay. We're here to teach you and kind of explore it together. Um, but let's start off with the name uh, Groot slang. It is a Dutch name, uh, the Great Snake. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it is the it is the story of a. A snake that lives near uh, in kind of South Africa and the region around there. Now, it's uh, then most of the accounts that I've found uh, have been told to me that the story of this great big. and uh, we'll go into the details of the snake in a moment, but it's mostly a legend that was told to white settlers by the natives.
1: And those natives are the Nama people in South Africa. South right?
0: Africa, yes. And there's a lot of interesting factors about the Groot Slang. The idea, first of all, of a of a snake as a monster—that's a very common thing. Um, we've got throughout human history, we've got all kinds of uh, animosity towards serpent body types, and this kind of feels to me like it falls in that same genre. Yeah. It, the snake is something to be feared. It, it very much like wolves. It's it's a very traditional. Well, you should be afraid of that.
1: Well, and they're they're all over the world, right? I mean, there's there's snakes in every mythology everywhere I believe yes Naga and
0: oh yeah they're very uh, pervasive throughout Mm -hmm. all all of human history and and um we kind of have a tendency as humans to find a way to blame things on things that aren't ourselves (laughs) I guess uh it's not I was messing around with a snake and he turned around and bit me it's this wild snake came out and bit me out of nowhere and that's kind of how stories kind of grow
1: and it was the biggest snake ever.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that's the other side of it. We have a tendency to add size as a modifier to make things more impressive. Mm-hmm. As you need sa- the
1: threat to be more threatening Absolutely. to someone else, even though it was terrifying yeah, for a, you at the time.
0: It's an easy kind of uh, embellishment to add to make the story more interesting.
1: Because they weren't there. They don't know.
0: Yeah. Now, again, we're not looking at this from the angle of you know discounting this as just a story or anything like that. Part of what this show is, is coming at it with just an open mind and, and maybe it's real, maybe it's not. We're just going to explore it and encourage you to do the same. So yes, it's a, it's a story of a giant snake. Um, Let's see if it is uh, most accounts tell us that it's about 40 feet long. Damn. Yeah. That's
1: a big snake.
0: Big old snake. It is typically uh, depicted as having a cobra's hood to me that that is, uh, that, that is something to just add on to a on onto a mm-hmm. snake well if it, as from an artistic perspective if I'm gonna add something to make a monster scary I don't want to add something that's going to turn it into something else right so we can't add claws and legs and wings and things what do we add to a snake to make it more threatening so the hood on there I get it so forty feet with a hood perfect but let's make it cooler shall we as we build this monster let's uh, let's make it more interesting um, one thing Culturally, around South Africa, that's where a lot of the world's diamonds come from. Right. And that is a big component in this story. That there's, it's not just, well, uh, we talked about snakes as a savage creature, a poisonous, I mean, it goes all the way back to, you know, Adam and Eve kind of stories. But this one has a very specific component of greed and covetousness. It loves diamonds. It's, in many stories, it has diamonds as part of its own body. and
1: That's interesting. Yeah, kind yeah. so an,
0: diamonds are definitely an, a, a very deep part of this story.
1: It's an odd aspect. I don't know of a lot of cryptids or creatures out there that incorporate gems as part of their anatomy. That is a
0: strange, a strange part of it. That's very unique
1: to this creature.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, from a biological perspective, where do you merge animal with, with rock, and usually it's it's pretty rare. You have to get pretty imaginative with it. Um, either sometimes, sometimes it's a buildup of moss or or, or uh, deposits of, of one kind or another, but usually for sedentary creatures, not necessarily ones that get out and move like, around. It's
1: like ones that are like rocks.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you, if you live like a rock, you start to look like a rock. It's, yeah. it's that kind of Lichen
1: thing. Lichen starts growing, moss.
0: But not the Groot slang, ladies Ooh. and gentlemen. No. The Groot slang... In many stories, it has diamonds for eyes.
1: So kind of like Sableye.
0: Pokemon. Very, very much, yeah. Um, Except for
1: it looks less like a goblin.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one has is, is kind of the snake form, but with a similar idea. Now, I've tried to think of why why this part would be included in this story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, another part of the of, of this story is that it, where it lives. It lives in a very specific dark cave. Okay. And... When someone sees it, perhaps they see that sparkle of the of the eyes.
1: So, like eyeshine.
0: Yes. Also, imagine if you would. You are a an explorer, uh, checking out caves in South Africa. And what are you very specifically looking for? Often, they are looking for diamonds. So they're looking for that sparkle, that little moment of reflection that that is the the bounty that they're seeking. Mm-hmm and in some cases maybe they get more than they bargain for <laughs>
1: like like a 40 foot snake
0: like a 40 foot snake <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be a little bit more than you bargain for yeah
0: so we we talked about how it has it has diamonds for eyes that doesn't make a whole lot of sense so it does take it up a notch into the supernatural realm right but hey we will accept it until we see it proven otherwise Uh, Another interesting factor about the Groot Slang is that it is, uh, in many accounts, sentient. It has um, some degree of priority and can be bargained with. Again, it ties back to diamonds. It values these diamonds. It it hoards them.
1: And why would it do that unless it placed value on something and was able to think for itself, was able to know that these are valuable to other people, so... It, yeah. and it's like dragons dragons of gold right?
0: very much so yeah it's it, it's a very similar idea to um the Western dragon right and the idea of it, it represents going back to greed and covetousness and holding things close that you don't really need but just to keep them away from others mm-hmm. now if I had to guess and this is not making any statement about anybody but if I had to guess that fits a little bit more with the colonists interpretation of of the myth than what maybe the origin was.
1: Well, because the things that they came for didn't necessarily have value to the people that lived there initially, like maybe they were pretty, but you know, when the colonists came over and started prospecting for everything, and Mm -hmm. that's the only time that it started to have real value as something that could be exported and sold and shipped all over the world. You know, they'd make buttloads of money off of it. Whereas people who lived in South Africa or other parts of Africa, it didn't really matter.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a matter of priorities point. and what's important. Mm-hmm. Which um, is why
1: it was like an untapped resource.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, just with a, a smattering of readings of traditional African myths. The Groot slang kind of stands out as a greedy, twisted creature. One detail that I've read a couple of times is that it's actually a, a mistake of creation. It, it was the first draft of what a creature could be and the gods or singular God, it gets pretty vague in this point uh, that does the creating um, actually said, okay, this is too dangerous. This is too much. I'm going to bury it in a hole. I will only ever make one of it and there will be no more.
1: <laughs> it's too good. <laughs>
0: too good. Yeah. But I, I would also like to touch a little bit on uh, the the colonial uh, colonization of africa as a whole it is a nation that it's got a long often sad history Mm -hmm. of being exploited of being i mean not just for resources but for the people that live there yeah it's It's
1: so tragic
0: really a sad thing but it uh, i love that some stories have survived (laughs) often yeah often when one culture completely just not even assimilates, but just appropriates another, <laughs> yes. usually the, the first, the, the second one gets, gets wiped out.
1: And I mean, a lot of there's a lot of their myths and stuff have kind of had Christianity kind of bleed over into them a little oh, bit, absolutely. all over the world. Yeah. It's not just Africa where that happens, yeah. um, but it's happened everywhere. As things, as new ideas have spread up all over the place, or were forced upon a specific population, so you kind of see the the Western influences on that too. The, the Christianity kind of spreading across the world, and it's changed a lot of things. I think we talked about that kind of last a, time, a little bit, with yeah, with Jaragumo. Although we weren't sure if that was Buddhist or Christian. Well, but and, and Bo- Buddhism kind of did the same thing <laughs> as Christianity did. So, it but it is interesting to see the evolution of these myths. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that we had better resources for the original ones.
0: Yeah, um, what we got
1: is you know people who knew how to write decided to write down the myths, but they probably had their own.
0: Yeah, and that's influence. that's an unfortunate truth that we're going to encounter with a lot of these older yes, stories. Absolutely,
1: um, probably every week.
0: Yeah, um, the story transmission by way of an oral history. It gets less and less reliable with each retelling. We know this in America with our tall tales, but this is everywhere. Write stuff down, ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't necessarily their fault. A lot of them didn't have written languages. It was all oral tradition.
0: And actually much of what we get is in rock art. Mm -hmm. Um, Illustration that is, uh, uh, we have a a lot of it actually here, but in Africa and also in Australia, Mm -hmm. the visual pictograms that that are out there. That's a really great way to to carry a story forward.
1: Right. And it was, i mean, sure, their best way of yep. continuing that oral tradition. Because they'd be like, here, let me show you what the story is about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and rocks, speaking as someone uh, from a Viking heritage, you can't go wrong with writing on rocks. True. It's a, it's a great way to keep your, your history around.
1: It tends to stay.
0: Yeah. Now, one thing that I, I in, in my studies, uh, that I've kind of looked at before we even it's even talked about this podcast, you talked about the blending of Christianity with tribal and traditional kind of, well, traditions, as it were. <laughs> well, uh, coming from, from Utah, it's very easy to find information on a very specific cultural group and then Christianity around that everything else is very hard mm-hmm. and driven by that challenge I've I've tried to explore other faiths and religions out there and one that really caught my eye was voodoo okay. uh, and at first it was so exotic and so weird and mystical and very very different from what I grew up learning right but as as I kind of learned the, the names and the structure in many ways it's not too dissimilar from Catholicism with different names yeah yeah and it and it is it's absolutely a a blended culture, yeah,
1: so something from folk belief mm-hmm. combined with what they're learning or being forced to learn with Christianity and kind of melding the two, it makes a lot of sense, yeah,
0: yeah, and this um specifically uh a lot of the the African Cultures, tribes, nations—I'm sure they all identify their own way. But the different stories that come out of Africa are always in motion, and they grab new pieces, and they mm-hmm. and they 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 grow, mm-hmm. and that's part of what I think has happened to the Groot slang. It started as as a a creation kind of myth, and then grew into uh, an antagonistic monster. And right now, uh, one of the fun. Ways to kind of take this and then advance it to 2018. There was a YouTube video. We'll put it in the show notes. Na- show notes of a of a Land Rover expedition that went to this region. And I had there was a great quote in that video, and it is: "There's an easy road to Wundergat." Now, Wundergat is the uh, the cave that the Groot Slang lives in, and the fact that it's like uh, so
1: a singular cave, singular cave. yes. it's a singular
0: creature. Very specific. And it used to be inaccessible, this mythological place that is so hard to get to. And in 2018, well, you can take the road and follow the signs. Yeah,
1: it's just right here, Here's It's the coordinates. It's
0: over there. <laughs> um, it's still hard to, hard to navigate. And many legends say that this cave-
1: Well, it's kind of in the middle of like desert area. Yeah,
0: yeah, right? I, I've looked at pictures of it. It's a natural sinkhole. It looks like it probably goes down 20 or 30 feet Mm -hmm. Um, from the outside but there are legends that it goes very 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 deep and continues into an an entire network of caves okay so
1: it's connected to other things which might be the like yeah yeah, endless idea yeah
0: yeah yeah the part of the legend is that the cave is bottomless that it that it goes all the way and keeps on going and the and the Groot slang is the guardian of this specific cave So, uh, for those of you who want to go find this cryptid, he's not—he's not out there wandering around. You're not going to find him like Sasquatch or Uh, Okapogo. No, he lives in one specific cave. And if you wanted, or or she, or it, you know, it's again, it's 2018. Our 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 myths can be however we want them, but
1: and it it, never specifies a gender.
0: It it never does or a sex either. So this this specific cave, the, the Wonder God it it's been explored a couple of times, but the specific uh, I guess measurements of how deep it goes, uh, they are unreliable, at right. least.
1: So what does Wonder God mean? Is it Oh is it Dutch?
0: It is it is Dutch. Um it's from a lot of the uh, the Afrikaans settlers that uh, okay. but one thing that well, colonial cultures tend to do is they show up and they rename everything. <laughs> um, and this cave is no different. Uh, it is, I've heard, uh, it spelled in English. It's Wundergott uh, with my best Dutch accent, which according to many Dutch people is the worst Dutch accent. <laughs> it's Wundergott. It has kind of a cough sound at the end. Okay. Um,
1: kind of like Van-, Van Gogh instead of Van Gogh.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it... Uh, Nevertheless, I do not claim to, to speak Afrikaans.
1: <laughs> Nor Dutch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it means it means kind of cave of wonders, very much like uh, like Aladdin, except for it doesn't have a gigantic tiger head. Damn, that would be know.
1: so cool. That would be
0: so freaking sweet. <laughs> um, sculptors in South Africa, put a big giant uh, head around this cave, make it a tourist attraction, make it something, <laughs> put it on the map. So yes, the 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 wonder God, It is, um, it, is a, it is a cave like many others that was probably explored looking for diamonds. Mm-hmm. To me, the story of going into one of these caves and uh, and looking deep in the darkness, looking for a sparkle off of your candlelight, because uh, this was probably explored in in you know the early nineteen hundreds.
1: When did they invent flashlights?
0: Oh, I'm sure we could Google this, but we're recording a podcast right now. Tell fine, us, fine, I'll look it up. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Keep going.
0: <laughs> so, it could have been a flashlight, could have been a candle. Maybe it started it as a torch and grew into a, a lantern and then became a flashlight. And now it's a an LED headlamp. It doesn't matter. Those props in the story don't really change the story. Someone was looking down there for something and they found something
1: else. So... Wikipedia says the invention of dry cell and miniature incandescent electric lamps made the first battery-powered flashlights possible around 1889.
0: 1889. So
1: definitely possible for them to have actually have an electrical.
0: Possible. I'm not sure they were mass-produced back then for yeah. expeditions. So then these are probably rich dudes. Yeah, I, but I, at the same time, the expedition mentality of, I don't want any newfangled gadgetry with me. I need to know what works because I need to rely on it in the field. Fair. So... Anyway, so they have some light source that goes down into the cave and most of the the stories of this is that well, as as is the case in most monster stories, the light source fails right when things get a, a little bit spooky. Yeah. And in the darkness there's there's these twin glinting eyes peering back at you. Ooh. Yeah. And that's More or less uh, through no matter who's telling the story, that's a big component of of the Groot slang. You were someplace you shouldn't have been. And now you met the guardian of that of that place. Mm -hmm. One thing that uh, kind of feels a little bit congruent with this story is the fish story. Um, The idea of uh, it's an excuse for failure. I went and caught this huge fish. It was so big, but it broke my line. I went and found this huge diamond in this cave, but I had to give it to this snake so that I could get out alive.
1: Oh, is that how you escape
0: from the Groot Slang? Yes, that's actually, we mentioned that um, diamonds are an intrinsic part of this story. That's what uh, many accounts claim you can do with the Groot Slang.
1: Interesting. If you
0: are captured, you can offer diamond or diamonds
1: to like buy your way out to buy out.
0: your way out because that it, it values well, that more than it does uh food or speaks to its
1: sentience for sure yes cuz how could it be bought off by pretty things mm-hmm. if it couldn't think for itself
0: and really if it's if its purpose is to guard this cave mm-hmm. and either destroy or deter anybody who would explore it to scare and send them off to tell the others is not an unreasonable strategy right because
1: um, then it, people stay away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, just looking at it totally from the objective point of view, the story of the Groot Slaying, I, I went into this unexplored cave and boy, I saw the biggest diamond ever. And But there was also a 40 foot cobra with diamonds for her eyes. And well, I, I had to get out of there. <laughs> That's a very human story to tell. It really is. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing that is kind of interesting about the Groot slang, it's typically described, we we, we talked about how it, it is a 40-foot cobra. Fun fact, I kind of think it's based on the Cape Cobra, which is the cobra that lives near South Africa. It's got a couple of other physical characteristics. Uh, of the Cape Cobra. Of the Cape Cobra, yeah. It, for one, uh, the Cape Cobra has variants in color. Uh, it can be light tan, up into brown, sometimes patterned, all the way to black. It's not a specific color to watch for. Most of the accounts of the Groot slang that I'm finding, typically it has dark scales. It has black scales that blend with the darkness and let those eyes really pop out. Mm-hmm. Another fun detail that I've heard and, and seen in illustrations is that it sometimes has an elephant's head.
1: Oh, so like a hybrid.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, while these are completely different animals to be smashed together. <laughs> kind uh, of weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked earlier about how this was one uh, one version of the story is that it's a mistake from the gods. Right. It was a first draft of, of what should live on this world. So that kind of fits. One thing that's kind of interesting with kind of chimera-style creatures like this of... Of one aspect from another animal matched with body parts of another and paying no attention to physiology or how it's point, how it's going to work, um it's just a mashup kind of thing. They're always made out of whatever creatures are around the right, area
1: what you've seen,
0: yeah, so specifically right. he's he's a cobra and an African elephant,
1: and I mean African elephants while beautiful and intelligent, can be very scary if they're mad. Oh, absolutely. They can kill you real quick.
0: Yeah. And and that part of that leads me to Think that maybe that was a detail added by the colonists and the multiple retelling of oh, this story.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: Because the elephants to explorers were the epitome of the largest, most impressive. Yeah, and most, totally foreign. Yeah. And they were, in many cases, monsters. They were beasts. They were big, scary behemoths that have strength of, to crush and, and, and maim. And gore you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're terrifying animals. And that really comes back to size. It does matter, apparently, in the yeah. world of monsters.
1: Especially if it's something that's going to trample you to death. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now, now, now we know, uh, thanks to the conservation efforts and behavioral studies efforts of many, many scientists, that elephants are kind, gentle creatures. They are really excellent family animals. They are really something to be treasured.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, so smart. Oh yeah. So smart. And they empathy. They have. Done studies to showing that elephants have empathy. Absolutely, yeah, and they're matriarchal too, which is really cool. That is pretty cool. We we
0: can both agree they are not monsters, right? Yeah,
1: but th- they would seem mm-hmm. as such.
0: And that's to me a very interesting aspect to toss into a mix for a scary monster. So I'm I'm thinking that the the size and the tusks may have been part of the. Well, that's what makes that that animal scary. Let's let's tack him into this story. Mm. But at the same time, thinking perhaps this is real, perhaps this is a real account, a cobra has that large hood that also has okay. a very similar head shape to the African elephant with its extra large I ears. I see where
1: you're going there. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I could understand how that would work. I mean, or we could go all the way to the letter of the story. It has an elephant's head.
1: And diamond eyes, and
0: diamond eyes, and a little bit of magic to it. I would imagine that that trunk is an exceptionally valuable device for grasping and manipulating objects True. without yeah. having to have limbs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, there's a there's three different flavors of possibility, ladies and gentlemen. Pick your favorite. <laughs>
1: Which is the coolest for your D&D campaign.
0: Yes. Uh, Oh, speaking of D&D, I I looked at the Groot Slang. I decided that it is a chaotic neutral uh, magical beast with a challenge rating of about eight.
1: (laughs) I can definitely see chaotic neutral.
0: Yeah. Um, But at the
1: same time... Logan. uh, Yes? What are you?
0: Oh, I...
1: What's your alignment?
0: My alignment? I I don't know. Chaotic. I, I like to think chaotic good.
1: I think that that's pretty good assessment
0: I, of you. Yeah, I feel like chaotic good, but the, the the good wavers all over the place. Chaos is pretty pretty it, solid. Maybe you're
1: chaotic neutral. <laughs>
0: it, chaotic neutral. Not a damn thing wrong with that.
1: I am a hardcore true neutral. Yeah, in every way.
0: But I also but I also like law, just not the laws of man.
1: Right, and I think that's where the neutral comes in.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, neutral is. You say what's good and what's bad rather than what's known as good and what's known as bad. Yeah, I, right? I,
0: I live by the law make of the jungle your choices. and get by just fine. Exactly.
1: Make your choices for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
0: No Side no sidebar No, that. never be sorry. That's a good one.
1: I was locked like talking about alignment. I think it's so interesting. Yeah.
0: And I, I also like that people aren't usually locked into one particular alignment or right. another. And that's that kind of draws me back to the Groot Slang. Mm-hmm. The colonization, and really, I mean, we can come right out and say it, the slavery and mm. exploitation that went on in Africa, as a bad and monstrous thing. Absolutely. Um, and then went on into later later centuries, the, the diamond trade specifically, you know, blood diamonds. We all saw the movie. It is just as bad as you think it is. It Probably is, worse. Yeah, it's a very scary thing. If you can deal with a lab-grown diamond... Please go for it.
1: Absolutely, they're just as beautiful. Yeah, I mean,
0: really. it's a lump of ultra hard carbon. It's really what's inside that counts.
1: The, the thing is, diamonds aren't even as valuable as they appear. Like oh, they're not.
0: I would rather have one on.
1: They're not a the rare industrial
0: equipment, than exactly, on the
1: right? And they're not the rarest gem that's out there. Yeah, you know. So I really like this trend that's coming up where people are buying antique rings or they're buying different kinds of gems for their rings, you know, when they're getting married or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really like this trend of moving on from diamonds because...
0: Yeah, well, the diamonds are what you were told <sighs> yeah. it should mean. And
1: I get it. They're, they're pure, which is what you're supposed to be when you're and married. very sparkly. But let's just be real here. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us, maybe not as pure as we should be when we get married, but... I like the idea of the individuality of different gems. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, A good friend of ours, she's got a... I don't know if... It's some sort of black gem. um, Very cool. And a black uh, black setting and everything, too. Which is really cool.
0: Yeah. And and really, I mean, I've actually performed a couple of weddings. And Mm -hmm. to kind of prepare for that, to me, I I kind of looked at the philosophy of what does it really mean? And is it, is it simply seeking approval from some authority of some kind? Or for me, it's always about, it's about the two stories becoming one.
1: And to me, it's just a legal contract.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The stories were already there, (laughs) (laughs) but that's just my opinion.
0: Well, cool. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get a diamond taken At the expense of uh, someone else.
1: Someone's life, potentially, or multiple people. And Don't buy blood diamonds.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But uh, to do something like the colonization and exploitation of Africa, one had to put themselves in a pretty monstrous mindset. Yeah. of, Of I am one, they are other. And in the 20th century, a lot of myths that we found... When people do monstrous things, they create monstrous stories, sometimes to cover it up, sometimes to add to what they're doing. And and I kind of feel that's part of that. That's act two of the Groot Slang story. Yeah. And we want to encourage you to kind of make up your own mind. Uh, is the Groot Slang real? Is it 100% magical? Is it somewhere in between? Is it this dark and twisted you know misbegotten creation or is it a guardian of something that only the worthy should find it's up to you i just love this story still around
1: Mm -hmm. so we're about to read a couple of excerpts um but we did quickly want to just add a disclaimer about the word hot and top uh it was a term used by European colonists to refer to people that are indigenous to Africa. And it kind of grew into just an awful and derogatory term. It's now widely considered offensive and racist. Uh, So we just wanted to let you know that while we're seeing it a few times in the upcoming excerpts, it's only because we are directly quoting the text. We do not support racism or oppression in any way, shape or form. Take it away, Logan.
0: So this is a, uh, a primary source. This was written uh, in 1945 by a man named Lawrence G. Green. He was a journalist. Um, he titled this piece, "Or uh, Where Men Still Dream. He says, There is a legend that the wonder hole or bottomless pit is the source of the diamonds. You need a hot and taut guide to reach this mysterious hole in the ground in the far corner of the little-known Richter's and natives are reluctant to guide expeditions to the spot. They believe in a deep black cavern is the home of the Groot slang, the great snake of the Orange River. The cavern, they say, is connected with the sea 40 miles away. If you lean over the edge of the pit and listen carefully, there comes at intervals a deep boom, like surf on a distant shore. "'I know one tough prospector who took a winch and cable to the spot "'and explored a little of the Wonder Hole. "'He is, I believe, the only man to attempt this feat. "'It was dark and extremely hot when his feet touched upon a ledge far down. "'The ragged circle of daylight seemed small. "'Bats flew in his face, and he dropped his electric torch. "'Before they hauled him to the surface, "'he observed tunnels leading out of the shaft.' There was the great smell of sulphur in the air. He never descended again. The great snake of the Orange River is something more than a legend. Cornell described it in his books. Scores of other men living near the river have sent letters to the newspapers declaring that they had seen the monster. Native stories that the snake had enormous diamonds in the eye sockets and that a strange and evil influence is felt by all who behold it may be politely dismissed. White eyewitnesses state that the snake is forty feet long, leaving a track on the muddy river about three feet wide. The spore was followed by one party of prospectors for many miles before it disappeared into the river. The truth, probably, is that exceptionally large pythons have been seen near the river from time to time, and their sizes exaggerated. Pythons up to 25 feet in length have been shot. Their powers of swallowing a buck hole are well known. But in the native mind, there remains only one great snake, greatly feared. So, I really
1: like that. Yeah. That's it's a really concise, good description of the myth around them.
0: And I like that he talks about that there's... Really, two ways to look at this story. There's the native view, and then there's the the zoological Right, the view.
1: conjecture of what it probably is.
0: And that's kind of what we try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, a blend of cultural uh, history plus a smattering of a, a little bit of biological knowledge.
1: Right. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a journalist, and he traveled, I think, a lot in Africa, I find it pretty interesting to see a view from somebody in like the forties, mm-hmm. a little bit closer to the oral legend of past than we are, you know. And I think that the adventure kind of that he's talking about that this other guy went on was probably the experience of quite a few prospectors of that time.
0: Yeah, I've I've read that a lot in collections of stories from from Africa. Uh, one of my favorite books is actually the, the Man Eaters of Savo. By James, uh, maybe not James. Patterson was the last name, mixing up my red.
1: By somebody. By
0: somebody. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, if you saw the movie The Ghost in the Darkness, it was a Val Kilmer movie. And it was all about building a bridge in Africa. And the book was about a collection of stories uh, doing this same thing. One thing that was communicated through every one of these stories, Africa is a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. As soon as they meet somebody and the the expedition learns about them, they only get a couple of keynotes. And if the person lives long enough, maybe they get more detail. But most people don't stick around for a whole long time. They They pop in. They either find themselves attacked by animals. They get lost in the woods. Or they go home because Africa is a dangerous place.
1: Right. Or they die.
0: Yeah. And so I believe that this was probably a, a collection of accounts. And very very much like in America, we had our gold rush. Uh, in Africa, they had a diamond rush. Mm-hmm. So the, it was a lot of people going out trying to get rich into...
1: And probably hunt big game.
0: Too. Yeah. And into a part of the world that really is not very hospitable to their kind of lifestyle. Right. Right. So, yeah, it was uh, a difficult thing for him and something very different. Different. Yeah.
1: Our, our word for this episode. Different. Different. Yep. <laughs> i glad it was you this time and not me. <laughs>
0: it would be even better if they were French colonists, but uh, they were Dutch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure there were French guys there, too.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. All right. So we've got another excerpt here. Um, This one is really cool. I really like this one. Uh, This one's from Lieutenant Fred C. Cornell. Uh, It was written in 1920. He wrote a book called The Glamour of Prospecting, Wanderings of a South African Prospector in Search of Copper, Gold, Emeralds, and Diamonds. It was dark when we floundered out of it, and we steered straight for the wide thicket of willows. We made a big fire, and were only too glad to turn in. It seemed an excellent camp, with wood, shelter, and water... It was nice to have shelter from the cold wind, but it was plain that the boys were uneasy. They crouched close to our fire instead of building one apart as they usually did. After some food, Isaac suggested that we might perhaps trek on a little farther. And this, coming after a most arduous day, was decidedly strange. We asked him why, and after beating around the bush for a bit, he told me that in the middle of the river, and exactly opposite from where we camped, was a big rock, in which the huge snake, the Groot slang, in which every other Richtersveld Hottentot firmly believes, had his home, and that it was not safe for us or for our horses. We had long heard of this snake. Many reputable Hottentots and a few white men claim to have seen it. Many more have seen its huge spoor in the sand and mud, a foot and a half wide. It is believed to take cattle from the banks, and the natives fear it mightily. There are no crocodiles in the orange, and besides, there are never any traces of feet with the spore. But it is a remarkable fact that the Hottentot name for this huge python, or whatever it may be, is Kiman, which is very much like the Eastern name for an alligator. Anyhow, we were far too tired to care for snakes, and of course stayed where we were and the only thing to annoy us were the huge, long-legged tarantulas that kept running with incredible swiftness into the fire, where they sizzled, squirmed, and smelt unpleasantly. In the morning, we found that the river was long, wide, still, and apparently very deep stretch of water, and that the big rock rose from the centre, as the guides had said. It appeared to be of granite, and was riven in half by a big cleft, The steep mud banks of the river should have shown a trace of anything coming up from the water, but we found no spore. So we made up some dynamite cartridges, with a fuse and detonator, and flung them out as far as we could. We stood by the arsenal, handy in case the Groot slang was at home and objected. The dynamite made a big upheaval, but no snake materialized. Only a few small springers and a barbell flapped round in the muddy water. Then... I saw something moving in the crack in the rock, and let drive with my rifle. I was in a hurry, and I heard my bullet hit the landscape somewhere in German territory. But Ransom had seen the movement too, and was emptying his magazine into the crack without undue loss of time. When we'd finished, a very flustered and indignant old wild duck squatted out of that crack, and went away unhurt and quacking most derisively. No luck again for our big game shooting. <laughs> so, yeah, he went oh, in man. and tried to blow it up, tried to shoot at it. Typical. Um, but I do I've think... we have
1: got some dynamite. Let's just try to blow up this giant snake that is a legend.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, worst case scenario, we have to carry less dynamite. That's good.
1: <laughs> oh, look, it's just a tiny wild duck that's it's really a, pissed at us.
0: It's a very angry duck. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. I think my favorite image from that is the tarantulas.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, and I've actually seen that. Um, they just th- run into the They fire? run toward the heat, and-
1: Oh, and then don't stop when they should?
0: Yeah, yeah, and-
1: Interesting. Huh.
0: You'd, you'd think we'd be all out of tarantulas by now, but <laughs> they think? lay plenty of eggs.
1: <laughs> True.
0: Um, one thing that I think is interesting about this is at no point do they mention the 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 wondergat, uh, or Wundergat. Right, yeah, uh, it's never a cave of any kind. In fact, it's
1: and it, not in the middle of a river. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's a rock. Or,
1: I mean, that, the Wundergat's not.
0: Yeah, and it kind of is a nice reminder that stories change based upon the area and geography Locale. that yeah that they mm-hmm. that they're in. Whatever's around becomes. The cursed mountain or the, the cave right. where that thing lives. Yeah.
1: And and I imagine that they have one legend that they learned when they grew up and moved on to a different region, taking their story of the Grootslang with, them, or I mm-hmm. guess, the Kimon according to this one. The
0: kimon. Which yes. sounds like... Like a, like a caiman, yeah, um, like, which is an alligator that lives mm-hmm. in, uh, we say East East Asia. No, the crocodiles have the pointy snout. They live in Africa. <laughs> Alligators, they are America and also uh, Asia and they're smaller over there but they also they the long bulbous nose for caimans gotcha yeah uh and they are a terror around the water now he did mention the spoor of this for for you out there who do not go on nature hikes all the time uh spoor is just <laughs> the the evidence of an animal now it can be droppings it can be shed skin it can be tracks it can be
1: whatever type of trail an animal has left. Yeah. F-
0: yeah. For me, it's usually Rice Krispies treats wrappers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Yeah. It is interesting though, that the natives um, wanted nothing to do with it. They wanted to yeah, like, move, let's move on away from it while the, well, the, the white guys, their, their goal is, well, let's blow it up.
1: Let's save ourselves versus let's just shoot it. Let's just blow it up. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious.
0: Yeah. That does kind of speak to a different philosophy toward monsters and nature in general that most Europeans saw monsters as a challenge, mm-hmm. uh, as something that threatened their life yeah. and that they needed to fight back.
1: Versus in Africa, you are all about self-preservation and survival Probably all the time. so when mm-hmm. there's a big snake, you just stay away from the big snake.
0: yeah, it's it's easier to just get it out of the way. yeah, don't go near that river
1: and I think it has a, a, a respect for nature aspect to it as well. When you live around nature and within nature, like many of these African tribes did, mm-hmm. you're gonna respect what's around you. you have you have a respect for nature because you're it's a huge part of your life, right? It's how you survive. It's how you don't survive. So the respect that you have and don't have for it is what's going to continue your survival or not Yeah. versus Europeans aren't exactly in the same mindset, right? You know, they have these pampered lives back home and nature, it doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on their own survival. So, I mean, they're used to... Going out shooting pheasants or whatever, yeah, right. So they just do the same thing when they go to this new place where the people there practice completely different mindset.
0: Yeah, and it is really unfortunate that they weren't able to continue on their own developmental path. Um, I I love, for example, uh, Black Panther. Oh yeah, yeah. The the in Wakanda, Wakanda is this independently advanced nation within africa and it's been hidden away from the rest of the world and that colonization never touched it and it moved on its own and caught up and decided to use its uh, natural resources instead of sell them off or allow them to be taken Mm -hmm. again i know not a choice but
1: (laughs) it does make you wonder though what would have happened without the outside influence
0: yes Really, we all know that in any science experiment, interference changes your outcome. And so you want to minimize mm-hmm. interference. You want to be the observer. Uh, that wasn't really the case with the African continent. It was something to be changed and tamed. And it's unfortunate, but nevertheless, it is, it is history. And we will all just try to move forward together from it. Yeah. And stories like the Groot Slang, I like that they are still around. Because otherwise, uh, we would all be telling the same stories of Count Chocula,
1: <laughs> who, granted, is great. But I mean, the Groot Slings just such a cool monster.
0: He is totally
1: cool. Yeah, and the fact that there's one of them, he's he's absolutely a cryptid.
0: Yeah, that's maybe that's really one of the unique. oldest. Cryptids. It's not. It's not a creature type. It's not. Beware, mm. the Groot Slings are around here. Carry a diamond in your pocket. No, it is. There's one Groot Slang. He lives in that cave or in that river or wherever the local mm-hmm. guide tells you he, he lives and stay away from there.
1: Yeah, don't mess.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Um, a lot of the modern interpretations of Groot Slang, I know video games are always trying to pull inspiration for, for different monsters. And, and the Groot Slang has shown up in a couple of different places.
1: Mm-hmm. I think he's in Pathfinder?
0: yeah he's in he's in pathfinder he's in final fantasy
1: 14 I think. or one of the many
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: some of one of them <laughs>
0: they're certainly not the final one nevertheless uh
1: <laughs> yeah how does that work <laughs>
0: um it is something of our collective human history and something to be celebrated
1: mm-hmm.
0: well cool well that's the Groot slang ladies and gentlemen it's it's spooky, it's dangerous, it lives over there. But if you seek it out, take a diamond with you.
1: I have a question, Logan.
0: I have an answer. Let's see if they match.
1: What would you do if you met their Groot Slang?
0: Well, one of the interesting things about the Groot Slang is it very much like the the vampire or werewolf, it has a specific mythological weakness. It has a it has a solution. Mm-hmm. So if I if I'm gonna go find the Groot Slang, of course I'm gonna take a sack of diamonds with. So you're me.
1: talking like silver bullets, silver or bullets, or garlic, garlic. or go- okay. yeah.
0: Um, so we know that this snake can be persuaded by diamonds.
1: So it, how though?
0: Yes. Now it doesn't. It doesn't have a specific weakness. It doesn't say it. It must sleep for 40 days every mm-hmm. time it, yeah, or anything like that. Um,
1: I I mostly meant like how are you gonna. Negotiate with this?
0: Oh well, for it one
1: talk. I
0: mean, uh, I like to imagine that because the snake's mouth is so different from our own, maybe it has telepathy of some kind.
1: I think would have to. Yeah,
0: it looks at you with those with those diamond eyes and Just locks creepy, you in. Eye yeah, <laughs> and as soon as you're on the same kind of wavelength, then you can understand it. Okay. And you realize you really shouldn't be in that cave. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I wonder what it sounds like? Well, in your brain,
0: in my brain, it always plays like the movie Rattlesnake, uh,
1: or like recorded from Jungle Book. Yeah, that
0: kind of slithering sound. Um, But really, that's not the the sound that snakes make. They,
1: I mean, vocally.
0: Yeah, vocally, or
1: uh, vocally in your brain. I guess that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But you know how like telepathic conversations? You're gonna. Mm -hmm. Your your voice here. Your brain hears a voice a certain way. When yeah, you're thinking about
0: and I know does that, that even
1: make sense. I don't know if I'm making sense. Oh,
0: it makes total sense. And I know that I kind of tend to use. Uh, I'll I'll work on it, ladies and gentlemen out there. Uh, I tend to use gendered language because I default to male as a male. Now, I really kind of like the idea that in when someone is communicating with you uh, telepathically, mm-hmm. you hear. Uh, your own voice uh, if it, if they don't have a voice of their own.
1: Okay, that does make sense.
0: So I would hear... Because you think
1: in your own voice.
0: Yeah, I would hear things like, you know you shouldn't be here.
1: Why have you come?
0: Logan, Logan, Logan. Yeah, that scene in X-Men always gets me all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Logan, Logan, Logan. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I think that's interesting. So you would negotiate with this monster... Bring some diamonds with you.
0: Yes, the diamonds are the the kind of currency to add to it. But I would also very much like to hear its story. Yeah. Yes. Let Listen to it's it. It's got
1: to be lonely. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it want to talk?
0: Yes, if it's something that has been alive since the creation of, of the world, I would like to hear what it has to say. But it may not have the patience with some, someone like myself.
1: Possibly not. Yeah. I don't know. You should go find out.
0: But if it comes down to a battle situation where it's, it, it's going to eat me <laughs> or I need to get out of there, I feel like uh, it has those specially developed eyes for seeing in the darkness. Right. Um, those have got to be sparkly worth the lot. As a lot. <laughs> if I'm a treasure hunter that's going in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you so, kill the creature that's primordial. Yep. Take its
0: eyes. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awful.
0: So if I'm, a, if I'm again, chaos, there's, a, there's yeah, a, definitely an element there.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I think you're edging towards chaotic evil there. Yeah. But understandably so.
0: So the yeah. easy answer is I offer it some diamonds and go on my merry way. The hard mm-hmm. answer is what do I fight it with? Yeah. Now, being mostly Cobra, I figure it gets the poison. So watch out for the, the front end. That's the dangerous side. So I I kind of feel like a, a shield of some kind is the way to go. One thing that is also interesting, the largest snakes in the world, whenever they get really, really big, they aren't venomous. They're constrictors. They're pythons. They're anaconda. Okay. That, that, that kind of thing.
1: Because they have the muscle capacity to do that. Yes.
0: Uh, when snakes get big, that's how they kill. So I'd imagine that that's what it might try to do. It would coil me around in its, uh, in its serpentine coils. And well, for that, you just kind of want to stab and slice your way out. So, but the one thing is I don't think a gun is the way to go. Right. Yeah. You you could
1: dynamite was a better idea.
0: Well, the, the problem with the dynamite, I wouldn't bring a lot of it. It's kind of heavy. It's volatile. And it uh it may blow up the cave that you're in.
1: True. You don't wanna get your, yourself inside the cave.
0: And chances are the Groot Slang knows the way out and you don't.
1: True. And it's a whole bottomless pit of caves.
0: Yeah. So if I'm gonna go fight the Groot Slang, I'll I'll take my, my trusty uh, I don't know, saber or daggers of some kind. Uh I'll I'll keep the I'll keep the bush rifle for
1: You're in Africa. It's yeah, gonna be a machete.
0: It goes with the with the territory. <laughs> But also make sure you you take that diamond with you. It's it's yes. better to bargain than to than to rely on outright force.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, cool. Well, that's the Groot slang, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Lindsay, anything to add on that?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think he's a really cool creature. Very cool. And I think that he's exceptionally unique. There's nothing really quite like him out there.
0: Yeah, it's it's analogous to some of the other serpent and dragon myths that we've seen, and also some of the other big snakes that we've mm-hmm. seen. But it really stands out on its own as something very special.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious where this elephant aspect came to be. So if anybody knows... Yeah,
0: I'm wondering if that's a, just an artistic choice that was added to make it more yeah. interesting. Any,
1: any image you look up of the Grootsling is going to be this hybrid... When it really, from what we can tell, was originally not an elephant-snake hybrid, Mm -hmm. right? So, it would be interesting to know where that came about.
0: Yeah. So, if you know, let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Anything you've got. Until then, keep on looking in the darkness. You'd be surprised what you find.
1: (laughs) Um, Just a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter at Folklore Rocks. If you want any pictures or notes or our sources or anything, you're welcome to go to our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. We'll have some show notes there, some expanded show notes there. We do have a Patreon, and we've got some really cool things on the different tiers. We have four different tiers on there. I think that we've got some decals and some stickers and a few additional benefits.
0: And, uh, as this show continues rolling forward, it, there will be more.
1: Yeah, definitely some fun bonus content. Uh, Logan has, <sighs> forgive us free reign <laughs> to, <laughs> um, have a thing called Logan's corner, oh, which yes. is going to just be an interesting chronicle of things that happen in Logan world. And he does have a very interesting life, so it's going to be fun. Uh, those tiers will also include discounts to our merch shop, which we haven't launched quite yet, but we will soon. It'll have cool stuff like hats and mugs and shirts. And if you have other requests for things, let us know. We'll find a way to add them. We also request that if you have any personal stories about like a creature or monster or cryptid, even if you really don't know what it was please email them to stories at folklore on the rocks.com. We kind of want to get enough to maybe do a listeners episode of oh, cool that would, things. That would be so be cool. Really neat. I think it'd be so cool. Um, and additionally, if you just have questions or comments, you can tweet us or you can email us at mail at folklore on the Um, we also ask if you wouldn't mind to maybe rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. Oh,
0: yes, please.
1: Yes. Uh, once we hit 100 reviews, we're going to do a bonus episode, and it will be a listener-selected creature. Also, if you do have suggestions just in general, you're welcome to send them to us. We can't guarantee that we'll get to them because we have our own really giant list of stuff.
0: We've got um, plenty over here. We've got
1: a lot. And... We, we just ask that you tell your friends and spread the word about the show if you like us. Uh, word of mouth is really the best marketing that a podcast can get. For Bar sure, none. yeah. yeah. So thanks for listening, you guys. We'll yeah. see you next Monday.
0: Thank you so much. We'll see you soon.